It is not death most people are afraid of. It is getting to the end of life only to realize that you never truly lived. There was a study done, a hospital study, on 100 elderly people facing death close to their last breath. They were asked to reflect about their life's biggest regret. Nearly all of them said they regretted not the things they did, but the things they didn't do, the risks they never took, the dreams they didn't pursue. I ask you, will your last words be, if only I hit, hey, you, wake up, why do you exist? Life is not meant to simply work, wait for the weekend, and pay rent. No, no, I don't know much, but I know this. Every person on this earth has a gift. And I apologize to the black community, but I can no longer pretend. Martin Luther King, that man never had a dream. That dream had him. See, people don't choose dreams. Dreams choose them. So the question I'm getting to is do you have the courage to grab the dream that picked you, that befits you and grips you, or will you let it get away and slip through? You know, I learned a fact about airplanes the other day. Now, this was, this was so surprising, see? I was talking to a pilot, and he told me that many of his passengers think planes are dangerous to fly in. But he said, actually, it is a lot more dangerous for a plane to stay on the ground. I said, what? Like, how does that sound? Well, he said, he said, because on the ground, the plane starts to rust, malfunction and wear much faster than it ever would if it was in the air. As I walked away, I thought, yeah, makes total sense because planes were built to live in the skies and every person was built to live out the dream they have inside. So it is perhaps the saddest loss to live a life on the ground without ever taking off. See, most of us are afraid of the thief that comes in the night to steal all of our things. But there is a thief in your mind who is after your dreams. His name is Doubt. If you see him, call the cops and keep him away from the kids because he is wanted for murder for he has killed more dreams than failure ever did. He wears many disguises and like a virus will leave you blinded, divided and turn you into a kinda. See, kinda is lethal. You know what kinda is. It's a lot of kinda people. You kinda want a career change. You kinda want to get straight A's. You kinda want to get in shape. Simple math, no numbers to crunch. If you kinda want something, then you will kinda get the results you want. What is your dream? What ignites that spark? You can't kinda want that. You gotta want it with every part of your whole heart. Will you struggle? Yeah, yeah, you will struggle. No way around it. You will fall many times, but who's counting? Just remember, there's no such thing as a smooth mountain. If you want to make it to the top, then there are sharp ridges that must be stepped over. There will be times you get stressed and things you get depressed over. But let me tell you something. Steven Spielberg was rejected from film school three times. Three times, but he kept going. The television execs fired Oprah, said she wasn't fit for TV, but she kept going. Critics told Beyonce that she couldn't sing. She went through depression, but she kept going. 
Struggle and criticisms are prerequisites for greatness. That is the law of this universe and no one escapes it. Because pain is life, but you can choose what type. Either the pain on the road to success or the pain of being haunted with regret. You want my advice? Don't think twice. We have been given a gift that we call life. So don't blow it. You are not defined by your past. Instead, you are born anew in each moment. So own it now. Sometimes you gotta leap and grow your wings on the way down. You better get the shot off before the clock runs out. Cause ain't no overtime in life. No do-over. And I know I sound like I'm preaching or speaking with force. But if you don't use your gift, then you sell not only yourself, but the whole world. Sure. So what invention do you have buried in your mind? What idea, what cure, what skill do you have inside to bring out to this universe? Uni meaning one, verse meaning song. You have a part to play in this song. So grab that microphone and be brave. Sing your heart out on life stage. You cannot go back and make a brand new beginning. But you can start now and make a brand new ending. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. It's a new beginning. It's a new day. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so I wanted to share that video with you because that video really captures the heart of my one prayer for you and for our church family, that somehow together we would find and follow God's great dream for us, that somehow that we would live our lives to the glory of God and the good of others. So I am so glad you're here today as we continue in our series called One Prayer. In fact, my one prayer for you today is known as the prayer of Jabez. And we have an outline with that prayer listed on it in your program. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. All the verses from the Bible that we're looking at are printed there for you. There's a place to take some notes if that is helpful for you. And as we, as we talk about this amazing prayer of Jabez, I want us to consider another amazing person in our recent history. In fact, this weekend, we celebrate the life of the most amazing man in the civil rights movement, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Did you know that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., did you know he was a pastor Do you know he was a reverend who went on to become the primary figure in the civil rights movement? And what we know about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is that he lived what we just saw in that video. He lived with purpose. He lived with passion. And friends, can I tell you, he lived with prayer. I want you to think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. What would his one prayer be? Well, I think it was so eloquently proclaimed in the famous I Have a Dream speech given on August 23rd, 1963, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. In fact, in honor of this great man, I I listed my favorite part of that I Have a Dream speech on the top of your outline. Let's look at this together. Remember when Dr. Martin Luther King said these words, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And friends, can I tell you, our world is a different place because Martin Luther King Jr., he lived that dream to his dying breath. 
But can I tell you something this morning that perhaps you didn't know? That wasn't Dr. Martin Luther King's dream. That dream was God's dream that was carried out through his life. Martin Luther King would be the first to tell you that that dream came from the Bible. It was fueled by scripture and it was empowered by prayer. It was God's dream of unity, of racial uh, reconciliation, of the understanding that red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in God's sight. See, that was God's dream for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But can I tell you, as you sit here today, do you know that God has a dream for you? And a dream for your life that if you live it out, if you carry it out, it will bring great glory to God and it will bless countless numbers of people. But can I tell you something about God's dream for you? God's dream for you is so big. You can't do it by yourself. You're going to need God. You're going to need God's power that's unleashed through prayer. And today I want to teach you one of the simplest And yet one of the most powerful prayers found in the Bible, it's called the prayer of Jabez. Do you know it? Do you know it? Now, you may be wondering, well, who is this guy Jabez? Well, let me give you some background. Do you know the first nine chapters of First Chronicles, it's it's a list of names. It's genealogies all the way from Adam A thousand years of Israel's history, nine years of name after name after name. Can I tell you, it's great reading. If you're suffering from insomnia, it is great reading. But something happens in chapter four that that kind of breaks the pattern. Chapter four starts and it lists 44 names. You're 44 names into this chapter when all of a sudden it's like the writer stops for a second. He writes the name Jabez and he goes, oh, wait a second. Man, I've got to say something about this guy. There's something profound about his life. So he breaks the pattern and he writes these words in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 on top of your outline. This is what he says. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Now, right off the top, there's three things I want you to know about Jabez from this chapter. First, I, I want you to know that Things started badly for this person that nobody ever heard of. Secondly, I want you to know that he prayed a unique, powerful, one-sentence prayer that we're all going to learn today. And thirdly, I want you to know that things ended really well. That the outcome of his life can be directly traced back to the power of prayer. Now, if you're taking notes, would you write this down? Another thing I want you to know. Jabez literally means he causes pain. He causes pain. Now, it's important to understand, in biblical times, when a, per, a person's name was intimately connected to his future, to his identity. And can you imagine growing up with the name, you're a pain? You know, <laughs> can you imagine if your name was, you know, what a pain you are? But something happened in this man's life that took him from being a pain to cause him to be more honorable. And again, what made all the difference in Jabez's life was the life-changing power of prayer. Do you know what the story of Jabez tells us is that regardless, regardless of your background, regardless of who your parents were, regardless of the family you grew up in, now listen to me, as you sit here today, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what's been done to you, as you sit here, God loves you. God loves you. 
And I want you to capture this. God loves you, and through the power of prayer, God can change the course of your life and the impact of your life. And so today, I want to teach you this amazing, life-changing prayer of impact. This prayer is so important to you, to me, and to our future that I actually want all of us to say it out loud together. I want us to read this prayer found in 1 Chronicles 4.10 on your outline. So let's say it together. It's on the screen behind me. Ready? Go. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Now let's walk through this prayer together, line by line. The the prayer starts with this. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And it's so key that as we start this message that we understand God's blessings. Do, Do you know that asking for God's blessings is more than just asking for stuff? It's more than just something you say at mealtime when you say grace. It's it's more than just something you say after someone sneezes. Oh, God bless you. So much bigger than that. Asking God to bless you, would you write this down? It's a response of radical trust. Of radical trust. It's the same as Jesus' famous teaching on prayer found in Matthew 6, 9, and 10 on your outline. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, that's blessing. Let me encourage you in that line, underline your kingdom come, your will be done. Asking God's blessings is not the super, superficial materialistic prayer like the man asking for a penny. Do you remember this story? Man's at, a guy's talking to God, and the guy says, hey, God, I'm curious. For you, how, how, how long is a million years? And God says, well, you know, for me, a million years, that's, that's kind of like a second. The guy says, oh, wow, that's amazing. Well, well God, I'm curious. If, if, if that's the case, God, how much is like a million dollars to you? And God says, well, you know, to me, a million dollars, that's like a penny. The guy says, well, God, can I have a penny? <laughs> God says, sure, wait a second. You know, that's, 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 a, that's not what a, a blessing is. It's not treating God like a genie in a lamp or presenting him with your spiritual shopping list. There on your outline, I printed the heart of God's blessing and the purpose of prayer. And if you don't catch anything else in this message, I hope you'll catch this. Would you write this down? The purpose of prayer is not to get stuff. The purpose of prayer is to align my heart with the will of God. The purpose of prayer is to align my heart with the will of God. Notice that Jabez left it entirely up to God to decide what the blessings would be, the the when, the where, the how he would receive them. The prayer of Jabez is Jabez saying, God, I want nothing more and nothing less than everything you want for me. It's a prayer of radical trust that says, God, I trust that you're my good father and that you have good things in store for me. Kind of reminds me of one of my favorite stories by by author Alice Gray, who writes a story called The Treasure. She writes the story of a little girl named Jenny. Jenny's in kindergarten. 
And she's with her mom. They're in, the, they're in the dime store and they're going through. And Jenny sees this little gold foil box. And inside is a necklace of fake plastic pearls. But Jenny just falls in love with them. Oh, mommy, mommy, please, can I, can I buy these pearls, mommy? Can I have this? Please, please, mommy, I love them so much. And mom says, Jenny, if you want those pearls, you're going to have to do extra chores and pay for them with your own money. Okay, mom, okay, mom, I promise, I will, I will. She gets the pearls, she's so excited, she puts them on right in the store. They just make her feel so pretty, so grown up. And she wears them like everywhere, to kindergarten, to Sunday school, she even wears them to bed. Well, in Jenny's life, Jenny's dad was really, man, he loved her so much, and his job was, you know, he worked all day, but when he came home, his job was to put the kids to bed. And so he would always read Jenny, her bedtime story, say prayers with her, and then put her to bed. And so one night, he's reading her her story, and then after the story's over, the dad says, hey, Jenny, let me ask, do do you love daddy? Oh, yes, daddy, I love you so much. Well, then, Jenny, would you give me your pearls? Oh, oh, oh no, daddy, please, not, not, not my pearls. You, you can have my pony princess. You know, the one with the, with the pink tail. You'll love her so much, Daddy, but please, please don't ask for my pearls. Oh, it's okay, honey. It's okay, honey. Let, let's, just, let's just go to bed now. Let's just go to sleep. He walks out of the room. Well, about a week goes by, and he's reading the story, and then again he, he asks, Hey, Jenny, do you love Daddy? Oh, yes, Daddy. You, you know that I love you. Well, then would you give Daddy your pearls? Oh, 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 please, no, 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 Daddy. Da- Daddy, guess what? You could have my new Barbie doll, the one I got for my birthday. Daddy, she's so pretty. I know that you'll love her so much, but please don't take my pearls. Oh, okay, Jenny, okay. It, it, no, no, no worries, honey. Let's just go to bed. Well, two nights go by, and then when the dad comes into the room to read the story, Jenny's there waiting for him, and she's sitting on her bed, sitting Indian style with her hand behind her back, but her little chin is quivering and there are tears coming down her face. And when the dad sees her, he comes, honey, what's wrong? Are you okay? And she pulls out her hand and she holds up the pearl necklace. And she says, here, daddy, these are for you. Now the dad's crying. And as he reaches to take the pearls, he reaches in his back pocket and he pulls out a blue velvet case. And when he opens it up, inside is a real pearl necklace. And he had that necklace all along. He was just waiting for her to be willing to give up the dime store stuff so that he could give her the real thing, the real treasure. Friends, that's God's blessing. God's blessing is learning to let go and trust that your heavenly father loves you and he has something better in store. Now, I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever wondered why some people seem to, re- I mean, man, some people, they just seem to be really blessed by God, like way more than others. Have you ever wondered that? Like, why are they so blessed? Well, can I, can I tell you, here's the key. If you want God's blessings on your life, you have to ask, You have to ask. This is key. We all have equal access to God, but not equal reward. And the deciding factor is asking. 
In fact, look at what the Bible says in James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 on the bottom of your outline. It says, you do not have because what? You do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you didn't align your heart. Because you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, this is so key, friends. Just this past week, I want to share with you, kind of, you know, to celebrate this moment with you. Just this past week, my wife Karen and I celebrated 27 years together. 27 years. Yeah, that's, uh, that's for my wife. She put up with a lot, I promise. But can I tell you, all along the way, People have looked at our lives and looked at our marriage, and I've had friends and I've had especially family members say, you know what, Paul, you're, you're so lucky. Dude, you are so lucky. And can I tell you, luck has had nothing to do with it. It's not luck, and it's, and it's definitely not me. Can I tell you? This is what it is right here. For the last 27 years, my wife Karen and I almost daily have prayed this prayer asking God, God, would you bless us? Would you bless our marriage? Would you bless our kids? Would you bless our ministry? And I love what the, and it's just telling what the Bible says. Look at what Proverbs 10, says on your outline there. It says, the Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. All our work adds nothing to it. See, the prayer of Jabez just starts out by asking God. God, oh, that you would bless me indeed. But it doesn't stop there. It continues. Let's walk through the second sentence of the prayer. It says, and enlarge my territory. Do you know that's a prayer for greater influence? When he says, and enlarge my territory, he's asking for greater influence. He's not asking for more territory. It wasn't a prayer for more real estate. He wasn't saying, oh, God, would you give me a bigger house and a bigger car? That's not what this prayer is about. Jabez wanted more influence more opportunity to make a mark for God. It's as if Jabez looked over his territory, all his possessions, all his life, and he says, man, I know that I was born for more than just this. God, everything you've put under my care, would you take it and multiply it and help use me to touch more lives for your glory? And now think about you. Think about your life in 2017 as we jump into this new year. Do you know this is my prayer for you? It's my prayer for me. It's my prayer for for Crossroads. That's why we're building a new worship center. That's why we're, we're launching the new Hayward campus. We want to look back at our one and only lives, our one and only shot, and we want to make a mark. We don't want to miss it. We want to make it count. I don't know about you, friends, but I don't want to come to the end of my days filled with regret and say, you know what, you know, I, I got an education, and I got a job, and then I got married, and then I got some kids, and then I got some money, and then I got a, a house and a car and some vacations only to grow old and die. Maybe I'm greedy, but I want way more than that, and I think you do too. If you're sitting here this morning, and if you're like me, and you're impact hungry, and you want God to use you to make a difference, guys, I have great news for you. God will answer that prayer. God will answer that prayer regardless. Think of the Apostle Peter, this rough and tough fisherman. 
Peter was out fishing all night, didn't catch anything. And then Jesus does this miracle, fills his nets with fish to almost bursting. Peter is so overcome by, by Jesus and his power. He says, Lord, get away. I'm, I'm too much of a sinner for you to be around. Get away from me, Lord. And then Jesus, this friend of sinners, he says to Peter, the same words I think he would say to you today, found in Matthew four nineteen on your outline. Look at what it says. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will, what? I'll enlarge your territory. I'll give you greater influence. I'll make you a fisher of people. I'll lead you to change the lives and the destiny of people. And then look what happened. Jesus was crucified. Jesus resurrected from the dead. Then Jesus came back to Peter and told Peter, go therefore and tell, tell people that anyone regardless of who they are, what they've done, what's been done. Any person who will put their faith and trust in me, I'll forgive their sins. I'll give them the gift of eternal life. And what does Peter do? We find Peter, he's he's praying with the other disciples for more impact, for more influence. God answers his prayer, fills him with the Holy Spirit. Peter gets up, he preaches his first message. And over 3,000 people put their faith in, in Christ And he started the very first church in all of history. Man, talk about influence. We're talking about him 2,000 years later. Now, you're sitting here and you're probably thinking, well, Paul, that's a nice nice little Bible story. You know, that stuff happens in the Bible, but that could never happen for me. Well, let me me tell you about my life. Man, I, I grew up in the projects of Hayward. Broken, dysfunctional family, alcoholic father. And somehow God grabbed a hold of my life when I was 17. And I was so grateful that God could save a messed up kid like me. That one of my first prayers was, God, please use my life to help others know you and make a difference. And friends, look around this room. You're part of the answer to that prayer. And can I tell you, I think I'm just warming up. God's not done with my story. I'm impact hungry. Man, I want to change the world. I want to change people. How about you? God will answer that prayer. He'll do that work in your life. In fact, I'd like to personally ask you this morning to pray for this kind of influence for yourself. Pray this for our church. Ask God to get us into that new worship center as soon as possible so we can have greater influence and impact in the community. Pray for our Hayward campus, that God would enlarge our territory to reach more people. And then the prayer continues. Oh, I love this next line. Jabez prays that your hand would be with me. Friends, you, do you know that's a prayer for supernatural power? For supernatural power. Do you know sometimes the blessings of God can lead us to feel afraid and overwhelmed and in over our heads. This is, this is so, I, I remember when we first started Crossroads. Twelve people in my living room. And we prayed that God would, would bless us and help us and his hand would be with us. And we went from twelve people on our first service. We had over 160 people. It was an OMG moment. And for me, I went home that Sunday. You'd think I'd be so happy and so excited. Man, I was scared. 
Like, oh my God, what do we do now? God, I can't do this without you. And you know, many times God's blessings are that way. Sometimes when you get married, your greatest blessing, God gives you a life partner, you go on a honeymoon, then you come back and you go, oh my God, (laughs) this is going to be a lot harder than I thought it was. Or then you become a parent and you have a little baby and you're so excited and then you come home and you go, oh my God, (laughs) what are we doing? This is going to be harder than I thought it was. Like, I can't do this, God, without you. Do you know in the book, The Prayer of Jabez, Bruce Wilkinson, he helps us understand this part of the prayer. He tells the story about his little son, David, when he was five years old. He took David to the park, and in this park, they had this big playground with three slides. They had like a little slide, a medium slide, and then the ginormous slide. And so David, he goes on the little slide, no fear at all. He's just going again and again and again. But then he works up a little courage, and he goes to the medium slide, and he looks over his dad for a little encouragement, and he, he, he kind of watches some others, but he kind of digs deep, and he climbs up, and you can tell he's really nervous, but he goes down the medium slide. And once he does it once, he's got it, man. He's going down that three or four times, but then he goes to the ginormous slide, and he looks at his dad, and then he starts to climb up. He goes about seven steps up, and then something happens, and he freezes, like teenager behind him, come on, kid. And then he looks over his dad and he yells, dad. And then Bruce Wilkinson writes in his book, this is what he he says, he tells a story. Runs over and and David says, dad, will you go down the slide with me? The teenager was losing patience, but I wasn't about to lose this moment. Why, son, I asked, peering up into his little face. Because I can't do it without you, dad. It's too big for me. And then I stretched as high as I could to reach him. I lifted him into my arms. And we climbed that ladder to the clouds together. At the top, I put my son between my legs. I wrapped my arms around him. And then we went zipping down that slide together, laughing all the way. That's what it's like to have the Father's hand in your life. You tell him, Father, please do this in me because I can't do it alone. It's too big for me. And then you step out in faith and you do things and say things that can only come from his hand. Afterwards, your spirit is shouting, God did that. Nobody else. God carried me. God gave me the words. God gave me the power. And it's wonderful. You know, that that story that I just shared with you, it just echoes what the Bible says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 5 on your outline. Check out what it says here. It says, it's not that we think that we can do anything of lasting value by ourselves. Our only power and success come where? From God. In fact, underline that phrase, our only power and success come from God. That's why we pray that God's hand will be with us. And can I tell you, that applies to our church as well. This next verse on your outline in Acts, the incredible success of the early church that just exploded with growth. Do you know why that happened? Well, in Acts eleven twenty one, it tells us the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And friends, what was true in the church in Acts is true for us and our future. Do you know our success as a church 
will never be attributed to how cool our music is or how well our messages connect or how nice our new worship center is. It's always going to be attributed is the hand of God with us. And just like, just like Bruce was at the playground watching his son, do you know that God in heaven, he's watching you? He's looking at you. He's looking for you. In fact, one of my favorite verses from the Bible is 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It says this, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, he's watching. He's looking. God's looking at you as I speak. And he's looking into your heart right now. What does he find there? What is God seeing in your heart? Is he seeing a heart that wants his blessings? Is he seeing a heart that's greatest desires to have greater impact? Is he seeing a heart that wants his power to to run your life? Well, there's one last part of this prayer that I want to talk about. This amazing prayer. And the last line is, for me, it's kind of surprising. And this is what it says. Jabez prayers, keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Remember what Jabez means? He causes pain. His prayers keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Do you know that's a prayer of protection from temptation? Protection from temptation. It's the same request that Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6.13, Jesus taught us to pray, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, why did he pray that? I mean, he had God's blessings. He was having great influence. God's hand was on him. Why was he praying for protection from temptation? Well, just like you. He needed it, right? He needed God's protection. He needed God's help with temptation. See, here's the deal. Once you start letting God use your life to make a difference, can I tell you, you become a dangerous Christian. It's like Satan puts a mark on you. He wants to take you out. See, when you're not living for God, when you're not trying to, to expand God's kingdom and honor him with your, Satan doesn't care about you. He's not worried about you. In fact, he wants you to keep on your merry little way. But once you start letting God use your life, Man, Satan will start doing everything he can to derail you and discourage you and distract you with lesser things. And I know why Jabez prayed this part of the prayer. I have to pray it all the time. You know, one of the things I love about Crossroads is that we're a safe place where we don't have to pretend. We all know, we all struggle, right? We all have battles, we all have issues, we all have temptations, and and that includes me. Do you know, I have to fight hard. I have to battle temptation all the time. I have temptations to look at things I shouldn't be looking at. I have temptations to overeat, overdrink. I have temptations to to gossip, to lie, to say cruel things. I I have temptations to allow my anger to to lose my temper. I have temptations to to take things that aren't mine. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm fighting temptations all the time. But here's my question for you. As your pastor, does it matter to you that I try to fight those temptations? I mean, do you want me to fight? Do you want me to win those battles? I mean, why? Why does it matter? 
Well, you know, if I don't fight my temptations and just do whatever, man, it's going to cause some pain and it will kill my influence. As you sit here, do you understand why God hates sin so much? It's because he loves you so much. And he knows what sin does to your heart, does to your soul, does to your relationships, does to your impact. It causes pain. So we have to fight. In fact, can I share with you a verse that's helped me fight well? One of my favorite fighting verses is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says this, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Can I tell you, look at me. 2017 is your year to stand, to have greater impact, to grow in your faith, to make a difference. That's my heart. That's my prayer for you. And can I tell you, that's a prayer that I know God will answer. This is my one prayer, that God would bless us as we radically trust his goodness and grace, that God would enlarge our territory, granting us greater influence and impact in the world for good, that his hand would be with us, giving us his power to climb new heights, and that he would keep us from evil. So instead of causing pain and hurt, we bring healing and help. Now here's where you come in. This is, let me take a breath. I'm done with my part of the message. I did my very best to share with you my one prayer for you, me, and our church. Now it's your part. This is your job in the message, because this is what I'm asking you to do. The first thing I want to ask you, because I know it will bless you, and your friends, family, life, and our church, I'm asking you today to make a commitment to pray this one prayer every day of 2017. I want you to think about one year from today, what your life would look like if you prayed this prayer every day and God answered it. So I'm asking you to make a commitment In fact, to help you do that, I want you to know, in your program, we printed this prayer on a little card. You can keep in your purse. You can keep in your wallet. I keep mine in my phone. And I've made a command. I'm going to pray this prayer every day for me, my family, my spouse, my kids, for you and our church. I'm asking you to join me. And this is the second part. If you have a smartphone, you have your cell phone with you, let me encourage you right now, pull out your phone. Go ahead, pull out your phone right now. I mean, I really mean this. I'm not joking around. This is your part in the message. And I'm asking you to set an alarm. This verse is is 1 Chronicles 4.10. It's kind of our theme prayer for the whole year, 2017. I'm asking you to set an alarm on your phone every day at 4.10. Now, you can choose a.m. or p.m. That's up to you. I I choose 4 p.m., Every day at 4 p.m., my alarm is going to go off. And that's going to, I made a commitment that no matter what I'm doing, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray this prayer for me and for our church. And I'm asking you to join me, believing that if we do this together, we're going to see the miracles of God released in our lives. 
And I want us to pray this prayer right now. So let's pray together. Oh, Father, I pray for every person here today that you would bless us indeed as we learn to radically trust your goodness in our life. And I pray, Father, that you would enlarge our territory, giving us greater influence, greater impact, greater ability to share your love with those in our lives. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, that your healing hand of mercy and grace and power and provision, that your hand would be with us. And God, keep us from evil. We don't want to bring pain and hurt. We want you to use our lives to bring healing and hope. And we are thanking you in advance for how you are going to answer this prayer for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. I'd like to invite those who are leaders of our Hayward campus to go ahead and come join me up on the the stage this morning. Um, Guys, can I tell you, March 5th is going to be a great day in our history here at Crossroads. Uh, We are going to launch a new Hayward. Come on up, Chad, uh, Chad and Cheryl. Krishna, come on up. Guys, come on up. March 5th, we are launching our new Hayward campus. Let me tell you, we're not planning a new church. We're going to be one church, two locations. And we have a team of 24 people who are leading the charge. Most of them were blessed in the other services, but I believe we saved the best for last, right? So guys, I want to tell you, I'm so proud of you. You, you are like missionaries who I know, even though you didn't know you were doing this, you're already praying the prayer of Jabez. You're praying for God to bless you and use you to have an impact, and we're proud of you. And as your church family, we want to tell you we support you, we have your back, and we are doing this together. So church family, let's stand. And for our blessing, I want us to bless these guys. So let's lift a hand towards heaven. And Lord, we pray for the entire Hayward campus team that you would bless them indeed that they would radically trust your goodness and grace and faithfulness in and through their lives. And Lord, enlarge their territory, multiply their impact to reach more people for you. And we ask your hand to be with them. Do in them what they can't do for themselves. Make it by your power, your presence, your miracles. And Lord, guard them. They don't want to cause pain or problems They're going there to bring your grace, hope, and healing. Use them for your glory. And now for every person here, may God bless you and keep you. May he heal your hearts and provide your needs. And may God use you to make a loving difference in the world. Go with the love of Jesus Christ. Have a great week, everybody. Amen. Amen.